fans, and welcome to another edition of the CIAC Cast. It has been a little while, but we are back with you once again. Championship season gets a little hectic around here. We've been able to unable to keep up with the podcast uh, on our regular schedule, unfortunately. We, but we are back for a special championship football edition. So we've got uh, we're going to quickly go through our introduction here and get right to our discussion. Uh, we've done this the past couple of years and very happy to have back with us uh, this year Ned Griffin of the Day of New London and Sean Patrick Boley of Game Time CT New Haven Register and his various uh, entities. We are uh, going to break down the four CIAC football championships taking place this weekend. Three sites across the state. Class Double L championship game between New Canaan and Greenwich will be 10 a.m. at Boyle Stadium in Stamford. Uh, 2 o'clock, the Class M championship, Berlin versus St. Joseph at Shelton High School. And then at Veteran Stadium in New Britain, we'll have a doubleheader there starting with Class S at 10 a.m. It'll be Haddam Killingworth taking on Bloomfield, followed by the Class L championship game, Maloney facing Daniel Hand at 2 p.m. So four state championship games. We're going to get you uh, ready for those with some talk with uh, some of the folks who follow high school football uh, deeper and more completely than just about anybody in the state of Connecticut and Sean Boley and Ned Griffin. So look forward to that. We're going to quickly run through here just a few things uh, that we want to update you on. Of course, always follow us on Twitter, all of our social media platforms, uh, at CIAC Sports, at CIAC Sports on both Twitter and Instagram, CIACSports.com, and go to Tournament Central for all of the information you need for the uh, the CIAC Football Championships and uh, and already start looking ahead to the winter if you want. We've got winter schedules up there. Believe it or not, the, uh, the winter season officially kicks off with games on Monday. So we're going to uh, get that up and running as well. If you're not a football person, uh, never worry. There is always uh, something new on the horizon there. So if you go to CIACSports.com, we've got all kinds of good content for the football championships. Championships. Uh, we've got a championship headquarters, which has links to rosters, live stats, the NFHS network stream, online tickets. If you're planning on going to any of these championship games, please buy your tickets in advance online. It's the same price as at the gate. You'll save time. Uh, those are mobile device only, so you'll need to have those pulled up on your mobile uh, mobile device, your phone, your tablet, whatever it may be. But uh, save yourself some time. At the game, uh, those though I imagine the uh, the e-ticket lines are going to be moving a little bit quicker than those uh, paying at the venue. So please go to CICsports.com. Look for the ticket links there. It's uh, also if you go directly, it's just ticks tix We'll get you there directly. Uh, buy your tickets in advance. It's uh, the best way you'll be able to uh, to to move through and into your seat and uh, and not miss a second of the action there uh, for the championship games this weekend. As always, uh, checking out the CIC cast. We'd love if you would subscribe. And uh, and rate us and and review us. We're available on iTunes. We're available on Google Play, on Stitcher as well. Any of these uh, platforms, you can check us out. If you do subscribe, listen to us on iTunes. Please subscribe, download, rate us, leave us a review. All that good stuff. We love all of that as well. So there's so much good CIAC uh, championship content out there. We've been producing some uh, some promo videos. You can check those out on Twitter. We're going to have those at CIACSports.com. You can uh, follow our YouTube page. We've been adding uh, more videos. Uh, we did a great championship recap of the cross-country championships, the field hockey championships, um, the CIAC Sportsmanship Conference. So check out our YouTube page uh, and uh, and subscribe there as well to make sure you don't miss any of the great videos we've been posting there. Uh, we've got some, some good folks on staff here who are doing a wonderful job, and we've got uh, promo videos for all four of the championships uh, coming up as well. So just good content all over the place, uh, CIACmobile.com. Don't let me forget that. If you're out at the venue, 
Uh, you can use CIA, point your browser to CIACmobile.com uh, and get a the mobile version of uh, the CIACsports.com there as well. It's got rosters, got everything else you could want on it, and uh, yeah, you'll be ready to go. We're excited. This is a great, uh, great weekend. Always a lot of fun. Always uh, some great competition and uh, and four worthy champions. Once we uh, wrap up competition on Saturday again, uh, four CIAC championships taking a place across the state. That's going to do it for our brief intro. Let's get right to our conversation here. Uh, Ned Griffin and Sean Boley, they uh, they are deep into the world of high school football in the state of Connecticut. They do a wonderful job covering the sport, and we like getting in touch with them uh, prior to championship weekend to talk about some of the things they're looking forward to as the championships are about to get underway. The... 2018 CIAC Fall Championship season will conclude on Saturday with the four CIAC football championship games. And to help break us down the conclusion of the 2018 season, we have with us Ned Griffin from the Day of New London and Sean Patrick Boley from Game Time CT, the New Haven Register, Hearst Media, and his various many titles. Gentlemen, thanks for being with me. Thank you. So, gentlemen, let's uh, we're going to kind of break this down game by game here, and then we'll do a few uh, sort of general questions. So, uh, just randomly, I'm going to say, uh, talk to me a little bit about the Class M championship, St. Joseph and Berlin, a standalone game at Shelton High School, starting at 2 p.m. Talk to me a little bit about the uh, the Class M game. How are you guys uh, looking at that? How are you going to break down, and and what you think uh, may happen there at Class M championship? Well, you have. Uh well, yeah, it's really, it, it should be, uh, hopefully, it's a good one. Um, you have uh, St. Joseph, which is coming off a Class S championship. Um, after winning last year, uh, a good number of the same players are back, including the uh, Maryland-bound quarterback, David Summers, and uh, Jaden Sheridan, the running back. And, uh, you know, they're, uh, they, they just have a lot of weapons. They, you know, they have, uh, they have a lot of weapons uh, with receivers, both the Amantis and Jesse Bike and uh, and Sheridan can run the ball, and but their most impressive uh, aspect has been their defense. You know, has really uh, turned it up this season. Beginning with that shutout of New Canaan in Week One, that was very eye-opening. And they just have all sorts of guys who just love to go get the ball. So uh, uh, they uh, and they're going up against a Berlin team that's got a lot of star power. They have uh, um, you know led by a. a Dunn, Kevin Dunn, their quarterback, who's uh, really done a nice job there after only playing a quarterback for the last two years. Mm-hmm. And they have Alex Halkius, a senior, one of the seniors who uh, has been with this group for a long time. And um, and just uh, up and down, I mean, including uh, Zach Herbiak, uh, who's uh, just a monster. <laughs> he's a monster uh, uh, as well as a linebacker. He's, I'm sorry, a linebacker, he's defensive end more like this. He's also a monster as a running back, and even uh, out of the backfield as a pass catcher. So, mm-hmm. uh, lots of weapons are up and down the roster for Berlin. So uh, it's just a matter of uh, can they crack that St. Joseph's defense? And, uh, that that'll be a that'll be a thing to watch. Ned, how do you see? Uh, what are you looking for? What are you looking at as some of the keys in that Class M final? <laughs> I am not going to be asked to advertise these. These four CIAC finals for you guys, I don't think they're going to be very good. I think they're going to be. I think I'm, I, of the four games, I think I give Berlin the best shot to hang in for a little bit, but I think St. Joseph's is going to be uh, too much. Getting back to what uh, Sean was saying about the defense, um, you know, their front line this year, you know, Jermaine Williams, their uh, large nose guard, 
you know, he's been a handful to contain. Michael Morrissey, uh, you know, he's got nine sacks this year coming off the end. And they're juniors. Paul De Silva, a linebacker, junior. Now, I, if you can shut out in Keenan uh, and you can go toe-to-toe with Darian for a half, uh, if you can beat Staples, uh, then I don't give many teams in Class M a shot against a team like St. Joe's who's done that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they've they've faced better than anyone you know any other teams and that uh, anyone in that division's played, you know, Berlin included. Yeah, no, certainly uh, an interesting. Uh, now that I just sucked the life out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. This is why we bring What's you in that? for that kind of uh, that kind of perspective. So we'll move along to uh, to Class S, the uh, the opener at. Uh, of two games at uh, Veterans Stadium in New Britain. You have uh, Bloomfield, the number four seed, taking on Haddam Killingworth, the number seven seed, maybe the, the, the least known or maybe the least covered team uh, in this championship uh, weekend. Uh, Ned, we'll start with you there. What are you, uh, what are you looking for in that Class S final between Haddam Killingworth and uh, Bloomfield? Who uh, I thought going in that Bloomfield and Ansonia were a level above the rest of the field just on you know, talent alone. Um, Bloomfield poses such problems, uh, particularly for small schools. You know, they have a receiving core uh, in, uh, <coughs> excuse me here, uh, Javon Massey, Anthony Simpson, and David Robinson, who, for the most part, have very good size. You know, Massey is only a freshman, and he's 6'2", 2'10". Mm-hmm. Uh, Robinson goes 6'3". Simpson's the short one at 6' foot short, right? Uh, you know, how many defensive backs out there in the state can handle them? That, you know, it sort of amazed me that Berlin was able to shut them out uh, earlier in the year. Uh, and it's not as if you can drop, you know, 12 guys into pass coverage either because they have Kaijan Butler, their running back, who is just a, a bowling ball. Even against uh, you know six seven man fronts, he and his offensive line are a handful. Uh, that's that's a lot to handle there. But, you know, and again, especially for Class S schools, uh, you know, as far as HK goes, you know, they have an offense that can control the clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, they run God's offense, otherwise known as a double wing. <laughs> uh, their running backs, Toby Callender and Dalton Moden, have both rushed for over 1,000 yards. Um, and the offense is predicated on getting the most blockers at the point of attack as possible, and I don't even know if that's going to be enough to make a dent against Bloomfield's line. Um, you know, I was, without sounding glib, you know, four eight-minute drives for HK would be perfect. Yeah. Um, but that would still give Bloomfield time to get down the field. So uh, I think you can figure out where I'm going with this pick. Indeed. Sean, what are you seeing there yeah. in Class S? Yeah, I, mean, I think the key to watch there is that Bloomfield did defensive line versus Adam Killingworth's offensive line. Adam Killingworth's offensive line is really tremendous. Um, they're pretty big, especially for a small school front. Um, and, uh, you know, they've been – been able to have their way with most teams. I mean, you take away the one loss they had to uh, Cromwell Portland earlier, where the wheels just kind of fell off. I don't think you really want to uh, penalize them for that looking back. But, you know, looking forward, um, they, uh, you know, I was really shocked that they were able to beat up on, on Stafford co-op 
in the semifinals mm-hmm. and, and at least keep that game close. I thought after Stafford had beaten um, Cromwell Portland handily, 41-6 to six or whatever it was, in the, uh, in, the, in the quarterfinals, I thought they were going to shoe in for the state championship game, you know, seeing as HK had lost to him. But, uh, you know, they're really big uh, up front. Uh, I, I really like them, especially Aiden Meyer, their, their, uh, their tackle or guard or, you know, even plays defensive end. He's 6'5", 230, and um, they have some other big guys up there on the front lines. And, uh, you know, they're up against an athletic uh, and fierce defensive line. For, uh, for Bloomfield, and you don't hear a lot. You, you don't hear a lot about them because a lot of time we're talking about Taiwan uh, Butler, their their great linebacker and running back, and he might be even better as good as he is a running back. He might be even better as a as a linebacker. He's just so fierce and and he really disrupts things. And you know that's really a tough defense to go, to, to, to go up against. I saw a team like Ram, who they played after they got shut out by Berlin. It was like this is their it. Game. They needed to win this game in order to make the playoffs, mm-hmm. and that the defensive line just dominated a, a team that really loves to run the ball um, and really kind of kept them off the scoreboard while the offense, as Ned was alluding to, was going up and down the field. And that's really tough. If you if you can't stop their offense, you're going to have a hard time against their defense. And you make one mistake, and next thing you know, they got a couple of touchdowns on the board. So, um, you know, I, like like Ned said, just so many weapons on the offensive side. It's Especially the receivers, you know, you, you spend all your energy stopping Butler, and then you got to worry about them. Their quarterback is the sophomore uh, Darren Bryden. Um, you know, he's a capable quarterback. He's done a really nice job this year. So that's going to be a tough match for having the killing. Where, like Ned said, play keep away, and that's probably going to be your best shot. Yeah. So that uh, circling back like- to the HK Cromwell Portland game, Sean mentioned. Uh, as much as the wheels fell off for HK in that game, they gave up what was it, 21 of 29 passing for 341 yards and four touchdowns to Bryce Karstetter, mm. Cromwell's quarterback. And you know, Cromwell runs a very good passing game. If Cromwell did that against HK, I don't know how much better they're going to fare against Bloomfield, which loves the deep ball. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh... A lot to uh, a lot to look at there as well at, uh, in Class S. So we uh, we're in New Britain. So let's stay in New Britain. The second game of uh, the Twin Bill doubleheader there at uh, Veteran Stadium will be the Class L final. Uh, Daniel Han, the defending champions in Class L, uh, kind of steamrolled their way through everybody, uh, including the playoffs, to get back to that championship game. Taking on Maloney, looking for its first uh, state championship. Uh, they they got past their cross-town rival in the semifinals. Uh, gentlemen, what do we make of the, the Class L final? Sean, we'll start with you. Huh. Well, <laughs> everyone asks me how I see this. Uh, I see any chance a hand would be denied its second consecutive state championship, and my short answer is no. As emphatic no. As much as I, I, I thought Maloney was going to be one of the top teams going into this uh, into this season, and I've certainly shown that with glimpses of, you know, you, you scratch your head at some of their losses, um, you know, especially losing to, to Platt, who I thought they were better than. So they were able to beat them uh, coming out of the, uh, uh, coming out of the, uh, that, their side of the bracket. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got a nice quarterback, uh, Elliot Good. Uh, they have one of, the, one of the state's top receivers in, uh, what, uh, sorry, what was that? I don't know. Someone, I assumed you were being electrocuted. Oh, oh I don't know. Uh, Anyway, sorry. Are you hearing um, things? Were, no, I, I heard like the 
something Sorry, vibrated you know, there. Somewhere. Anyway, you can cut that right out. Anyway, yeah, we'll so uh, out. they have one of the top receivers in uh, Victor Marquez, um, and they, then they have an, a line, an offensive line, that, that Ned dubbed the Ogres to begin the season, and I, I think that name is kind of stuck, um, you know, as they have just some big dudes up front, including like Trevor Santiago, 6'5", he's a junior, 6'5", 295. Um, you know, they have Julian Rivera, 6'2", six, six uh, DJ Posey, 6'4", 285. Damian Vargas, he's a sophomore, 6'2", 2'2". There's just a lot of guys that they have in there that are just big dudes. I mean, did I miss one net? I might have. Um, but uh, like Martell, there's another kid, Ryan Martell. Six six three thirty. I mean, they've got some big dudes, and I think that's going to be the key for them. They're going up against a hand team that the best way to describe them. I know this is kind of cliche to me, though, but they remind me of the '85 Bears. They just bring pressure. Their defensive line is like it's the best, probably you know, probably rivaled by Grant as far as pure size and just aggressiveness. They might be even a little bit better. Um, despite the fact that Greenwich has one of the top pass rushers in, in the state. But, I mean, in hand is no slack. They have Jack Flanagan, they have uh, Ben Cornelio, the, uh, the junior, and uh, the other senior, Mac, Mac and McDonald. Cornelio is seven, number 72 in your program. He is just an absolute monster. And, and in the semifinal versus Windsor, he was constantly in their backfield, just throwing kids around like rag dolls, and he, he, is, just a, he is just an animal. And, and with all that pressure, you know, you, you, you bring it to bear on a, on a quarterback, and if they make a mistake, it'll be lights up and sticks the other way. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, on the other, the other side, you have the offense, which is just efficient and methodical, led by the quarterback, Phoenix Billings, whose family is uh, well entrenched in Meridian, which I thought is hysterical. And they're doing sports, yeah, they've been in town for, for decades. And now they're unleashing one of their own family <laughs> on, on, the, uh, on the town. So. Um, really interesting matchup. I, mean, I love hands offense as well, but that defense, man, that is going to be tough to crack as long as. Ned, what do you see in there in uh, in that Class L matchup that's going to wrap up the day at uh, at New Britain? Who um, problem with double L and L both is that you have an apex predator, and hand is <laughs> the apex predator in L. Um, not that one game defines a team. However, Maloney started the season against Windsor and needed a fourth-quarter touchdown to beat Windsor 26-20. Hand was leading Windsor 22 nothing, and four minutes had not even gone off the clock on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, Maloney at least has a good-sized offensive line to go up against Hand's strength defensive line, but... Oh, Given the hell that Hand has unleashed this season on teams, and given the, you know the fact that Maloney has actually had to slug out some games, uh, I don't see how Maloney is going to pull this one out. Sure. So we'll uh, we'll 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 see I'm if uh, dour. that's all right. No, we know yeah, this was yeah. uh, this was some I of get the storylines going totally into get these it. games. I'm with you. I'm not. I'm not sure about half these. You know, I, I would. I really wish that we would be proven wrong on all of them. 
But nope. uh, yeah, right now there's some prohibitive favorites out there, as you would say, apex predators. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> well, we we've got a question to address that coming up here once we get through the game. So I'll uh, we'll 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 veer off slightly, but let's uh, let's finish up with uh, with Ned's second apex predator in uh, in class double L, the uh, the Greenwich Cardinals, who are undefeated and uh, have rolled their way through uh, through the FC Act during the regular season, and then again in the. Uh, the CIAC tournament uh, with two convincing wins. They will play uh, number eight, New Canaan, at uh, Boyle Stadium in Stamford, 10 a.m. on Saturday. Uh, Ned, what, do, what are we looking for with this Apex Predator, and, and how do you break down that Class Double L final? Um, well, I would have to look it up, but I'd like to know the last time a FCAC team has had any, or FCAC has had a team that's only allowed 54 points. This late in the season, uh, I don't know if Darian has done it the last few years, but yeah, Greenwich has allowed a state few 54 points. Uh, the defense has been ludicrous. Uh, Sean alluded to him before, Mosey BC, their defensive end. Uh, he's got uh, 16 and a half sacks this season, uh, eight, which he got him one game earlier in the year. Uh, then on the other side, you have uh, Emilio Camus, I hope I said his name correctly, uh, seven and a half sacks. Uh, it's it's a relent, relentless pressure coming off the ends. Uh, you know, <laughs> then, if that's not bad enough, you flip over to the offensive side. Uh, Gavin Muir, their quarterback, has really, really uh, gotten, well, I can't even say gotten on track. He's really been driving the offense in the postseason. Uh, he... <laughs> He's been something else so far. Uh, he's thrown for 2,200 yards and 28 touchdowns. Uh, you know, a fleet of receivers to throw to, whether it's uh, Lance Large uh, or A.J. Barber. He's come on a little bit in the postseason. Uh, pardon me. Uh, it's, I should have mentioned this earlier. Week 5, uh, Greenwich rolled into New Canaan, and in about 7-8 minutes was up. 21 nothing, mm-hmm. and they went on to win 42-14. to 14. Based on that alone, and based on Greenwich's body of work, ooh, I don't really know how New Canaan is going to pull this one out. Uh, there's certainly no secrets between the coaching staff. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be, I'd be, think it's safe to say that you know Lou and uh, John both know what the other one's thinking. Uh, you know, but again, just based alone off what Greenwich did to New Canaan earlier in the season and how they've just totaled everybody. I mean, God, Newtown. Newtown with a stout offensive line and a power running game. Greenwich ate them 50 to nothing the other day. Yeah. I, I want to say maybe 30, 40 yards of offense for Newtown. That's ludicrous. Yeah. You're, not supposed to, yeah. you're not supposed to do that in a double L tournament. You're not supposed to do that. Uh, and, you know, the other thing about, one other uh, thing about Greenwich, and take this as you will, uh, calpreps.com has a computer model that rates teams in all the states, and they've been doing they've been doing Connecticut since 2003, and right now Greenwich's rating is third best all time in the state of Connecticut since 2003. Now they've been just that dominant mm-hmm. against you know the field this season. They've they've been something else. Sean, what are you uh, what are you seeing in that class double L final? Anything uh, anything else that uh, that Ned hasn't covered there? Uh, I mean, he's pretty much you know dead on. I mean, this could be one of the great 
Greenwich team in, in, in their long and story history. I think it was last year that we all figured out on this very podcast here that uh, Greenwich has actually never finished number one, you know, mm-hmm. despite all of its state championships over the years and um, in great teams. You know, 2007, their last state finalist, they, they finished runner-up to, to, uh, to, to Ansonia in the, in the voting back-to-back years, to 06 and, and 07. And, uh, you know, there's been such, they, were, they were undefeated. I think it was in 83, and they didn't uh, take it then. And, um, you know, like, like Ned was saying, is their, their defense is probably the most impressive of, of, the, of the two units, or the three units, you know, two special teams. But, uh, you know, with, with uh, Mosey Beasley, who's just kid's got a motor, it doesn't quit. You have Eddie I.U. Terry, um, you know, and uh, who else? I mean, you have Joe Craninger up there, and Emilio Camus on the end. Uh, they just bring it, and just they're just relentless in the pass rush, and if you don't, if you want to stop Mosey, you got to deal with all the other guys, and that's going to be really tough. And then you have at linebacker Jack Feta, uh, Feta, excuse me, who's uh, you know legacy guy's dad played. I think it was in '83 that '83 team, um, or at least far back at some point. But he, he's great. And then you have the defensive backs that they're really good as well. It's just a, it's a juggernaut. Uh, and then the offense just makes very few mistakes with Amir. But at the, on the flip side, I. Sincerely believe that the team that we saw from New Canaan on uh, October 5th that lost 42-14 to 14 to uh, Greenwich really set this coaching staff and the team on this championship course. They've reinvented themselves. They found a running game uh, mm, yep. with, uh, with senior J.R. Moore, who's really come on of late. Uh, they're, they, they've moved some pieces around up front to get the best matchup <coughs> You know, one of the things when they lost to St. Joseph, everyone was like, well, where was the offensive line? You know, where were those guys, the Jack Connellys and the Jack Stewarts, you know, the two D1 guys, where were they? And, and you know, what, what was going on? How come they couldn't move the ball? And a part of that was like, you know, they didn't have a run game, and that was very big to, give, to, to take pressure off Drew Pine from basically doing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've made some moves there, and you know, obviously you have Garrett Braden, who is you know, listed as a linebacker, He's been playing a lot of defensive uh, on the defensive line this year. They've added some of those guys to the defensive line as well to move things around and get a little bit more pressure um, and help them out. So it's it's been a lot, a much different team. And their victory uh, over Fairfield Prep, I thought, was really impressive. Prep, who loves to run the ball and then loves to hit you with the strikes, they could not run the ball to save their lives. And it was quite an impressive performance by the uh, New Kings. Yeah, New Canaan has, has been much more efficient running the ball uh, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, what was it? And, yeah, <laughs> I wanted to ask you this question, Sean. Mosey, player of the year? Yeah, he's one of the top guys. I mean, he's put himself in the discussion. I would say he's one of the top five guys you're looking at for player of the year, he, um, especially if the they tone. win dominantly. Yeah, he set the tone early in that New Canaan game with a – very hard sack on time on the New Canaan's first series. Uh, yep. One other thing about Greenwich, uh, since we've been talking a little bit about New Canaan getting a run game going, mm-hmm. heading into the state tournament, Greenwich had allowed 1.2 yards per carry to opponents. Wow. Uh, mm. and New Canaan got it to five, or got at least five yards a carry, but not that that did them much good. Uh, so they are they are a fierce group. For as, for as much as everyone always thinks of John Marinelli and uh, 
the job he did with New Canaan's offense and Tony Franklin system and all and all that stuff. That defense has been the lifeblood of that team this year. My goodness, absolutely, yeah. I mean, especially when you talk about just the defensive. I mean, again, yeah, the defensive line, like, they don't look as impressive as Han's defensive line. Han has, like, the size and everything. Yeah. When you look at uh, Mosey Beefy, you're like, who is this kid? And he just plays. He's just a player. I mean, it's so hard uh, trying to get a handle on him. You can take two guys who are twice his size on it without, any, without breaking a sweat. He just doesn't know. He doesn't know how to quit. He just doesn't. I think John Marinelli said, They've, they've been coached really hard to, 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 to stop when the whistle blows. But other than that, when that whistle doesn't blow, man, they keep going and going and going. So uh, yeah. and then another, thing on, another thing on New Canada, though, is that if you recall in that game, that came on uh, no, October 5th, Greenwich went up 21 to nothing. And it was, there was one play where they fumbled the, the, the kickoff yeah, right after, after they went up fourteen. Yeah, yeah, they went up fourteen, and they fumbled the kickoff. And Mosey Beefy played special teams, also recovered the fumble, or at least he he caused the fumble, and the other kid recovered it, mm-hmm. and then they were able to go right down. That said, you came and knocked on the door after the second, I believe, the, after the first touchdown, or one of the touchdowns, knocked on the door and turned the ball over on downs. Then they came back in the second quarter with touchdown passes from Pine to uh, Quentin O'Connell, their four-year star receiver, a lacrosse player, going to North Carolina. But uh, Quentin O'Connell, he's uh, one, of the, one of the best receivers they've had at New Canaan, and, and they got within one score, despite going down three scores to start that game. And, it was, uh, and then they, Greenwich was able to punch one in late to go up two scores at halftime. I think everyone on both sides believe that New Canaan will not make the same mistakes again. Now, I don't know if they're going to be great. I, I, I'm not going to pick New Canaan to be great. I do think that this could be probably, you know, Ned said maybe the Claxton game. I think that this could be one of the better games. Do you see Grant pulling away again in the second half? Yeah, a lot of... Uh, I hope so. Someone, someone's got to bring the competitive game this weekend. Yeah, clearly. Yeah, yeah. I certainly hope so. I mean, that's that's what we're looking for, at least. Maybe it's just you know, wishful thinking. Well, nothing wrong with a little wishful thinking here as we prepare for, uh, for the championship. Just a little, uh, some history notes, just because these are the kind of things that I like digging through. New Canaan trying to become just the second uh, number eight seed to win a state championship since the uh, the field expanded to eight uh, in, a, in 2010. And I believe, and I haven't uh, totally finished the research on this, but I believe they would be the first team uh, since 2010 to beat two undefeated regular season teams and route to a championship, uh, obviously knocking off unbeaten Shelton uh, in the first round and then if they were to knock off uh, Greenwich in the championship. So a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of history there. So let me, uh, let me. You, you talked a little bit about hoping for some competitive games, and certainly that's what uh, I think every uh, neutral observer anyway wants to see. So I'll let each of you just kind of give me, a, you know, uh, whether or not you you truly believe what you're about to tell me. Paint me a picture for how maybe some of these heavy favorites, how some of these underdog teams uh, might be able to come away with a victory. So, uh, well, Sean, we'll start with you. What is a, you know, what could be any of the the four games? But how would you sort of envision if any of these uh, sort of uh, uh, feeling consensus favorites were to uh, were to be beaten, how might it play out? Uh, how could you see that happening? I think we talked a little bit about the Bloomfield uh, HK game, and I think uh, I think the the key there is for 
HK to do what he basically did against Stafford. Stafford team had a lot of weapons too, and that was basically be methodical, run the run the ball, make sure you get your offense offense going, make sure you get your first downs, and then don't make any mistakes. And that's basically and just play keep away from uh, from from Bluefield, and maybe hopefully they'll make the mistakes, or at least defensively you try and you know frustrate them a little bit. That that's the only way I see them uh, winning that game. And that would be right, right in their wheelhouse as far as like beating teams this year. Just you know, pound the ball away and maybe wear them down. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a small team, just like you. So, um, you know, that 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 will be the what I think. You know, HK will probably need. Ned, how about you? Ned, yeah, what do you see for maybe a a, a recipe that you could see that might uh, to lead to some of these uh, kind of consensus favorites to maybe not come away with a win? Ooh, uh, well, Class M, I, I. The reason I think that game could be more competitive and more competitive could be a 21-point spread this year in the finals uh, is I don't think Berlin is going to be wowed or, no, I shouldn't say wowed. They're not going to be overwhelmed, uh, I think, by St. Joe's passing game. Uh, I think sometimes the teams get into the playoffs and they see some of the passing systems that the FCAC teams are running and the you just don't see something like that much during the year. You know, no matter how many passing leads you go to, or no matter how many teams you might see pass the ball against you, um, you know, Berlin would have to be very on point with their offense as well. And you know, Kevin Dunn, their quarterback, has done a nice job distributing the ball this year. They've certainly got enough uh, running backs and receivers to throw to. Uh, you know, and as far as Han- and I can't really come up with a good scenario for Han Maloney uh, outside of maybe rerouting the Han bus. <laughs> And double L, <laughs> you know, double L. It, you know, even if you try to play keep away against Greenwich, that doesn't matter. You know, they've had games this year where they've had the ball for well under twenty minutes, and they still won in routes. You know, time of possession doesn't mean anything to them. Uh, and you know, any good spread team, time of possession doesn't mean anything anymore because you can go down the field so quickly. So, um, you know, New Canaan would need a you know an exceptional game. You know, across the board to get it done, and you know, I just the way the way Greenwich has played this year, the way they've just bullied everyone. I don't know. I don't. I I have a hard time thinking New Canaan's going to win that game. Fair enough. So we yeah. got to. I, I think uh, I think the Greenwich game. I think they're going to somehow going to need to get that offensive uh, line moving and getting and figuring out a scheme. To get those guys at least blocked to get make, get some room open for their for their running back, if they can run the ball somehow, I don't I don't think it's going to be easy. Or I don't even see it happening. But if they can somehow get some run semblance of a run game going and give Drew Pine some give him a little extra you know breathing room on that side, uh, I think it could be close. Because I think if uh, and this, you can also have their other wide receiver um, as well who, who came back from an injury in. Uh, Wilson, a uh, Wyatt Wilson, who's you know, like, you know, you got Quentin O'Connell who's caught 84 passes this year, which is insane, and 14 touchdowns. There's a it, even Greenwich couldn't stop him in the first meeting. Um, so, and I think if they can somehow just keep them off balance, I think they'll be they'll be competitive, and that's all you really ask for. You want to have you want to be within at least the score um, in the fourth quarter. You don't want to be down too big. And we've seen Drew Pine. Who's been playing great, by the way? Uh, he's only he's only been intercepted four times this year, and he's thrown thirty TD passes. 
uh, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I, he's shown it in the past that he's been able to rally teams. They did it against Darian a few years ago in the Turkey Bowl. And I, I know I just feel like Lou's got a few uh, tricks up his sleeve uh, for for this game. And I don't think you're going to see Buchanan make so many mistakes like so all the turnovers that they had last year. But again, it's going to be a tall, tall or that that. They are freight train, and as Ned alluded to, nobody runs on them. And you know, when you have no run game, you got to swing it, and that's when they pin their ears back and come at you. Yeah. And then obviously, Gavin Muir, the quarterback, has just been stellar yeah. this year. So really, really tough. But we haven't even mentioned Tyson Camisio, have we? No. <laughs> the running back. No. Oh, we haven't even mentioned. You know, that's just so many weapons. You know, Camisio is. I think he was hurt early in the middle of the season. He took his time to come. And all of a sudden, he had a breakout game. I think last week against Newtown, they started giving him the ball. And I think John Marinelli was like, hey, this is uh, – we, we, everyone seemed to forgot about Tyson. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> I forgot you guys had him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. One more thing to worry about. Yeah. But uh, just, just quick on this game, too. And I, I, I did a little talking with uh, – with uh, Jeff Fisher from High School Football America, and I asked him, I asked a few other people, when has there ever been a father versus son uh, showdown in the state championship game in the nation? And he could not figure out one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a rare, rare thing that we have here, I think. And I don't know. I mean, there might have been maybe some old-time game, or I don't know. It's really hard to find this stuff out. But, um you know, he, he asked around, and, you know, there. I think he, he covered one in, like, Pennsylvania where there were two, a father and a son coaching, and they both won state championships on the same day, but they didn't face each other. Right. Um, so that's a, that's a rare thing in, in Connecticut. It might be the first thing ever in football history for high school. I don't know. I really don't. Yeah. But it's certainly rare. Yeah, no question about it's it. It's rare enough to find, two, you know, to find a father-son coach who won a championship in the state. You know, the Barbaritos yeah. are the only uh, the ones that come to mind. I'm drawing a blank on if there's any others. Well, one other <laughs> one other thing about uh, New Canaan Greenwich. Uh, prior to the Darien New Canaan game, Dave Rudin of the Rudin Report tweeted out that Lou Marinelli walked up to Darien coach, dropped her phone, and told him, "Please don't kick our butts as much as my son did." And I parap- and I cleaned that up a bit. Lou knows how to work it, man. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, oh. he knew he had a shot against Darian, and uh, and he was not uh, and he was not incorrect there. I mean, Lou uh, Lou knows how to you know just self depreciate to the point where you you underestimate them. Mm-hmm. Even John Marley, when we went down to talk to him, like I was telling him how you know Lou got a little emotional about talking about uh, about his son and the job that he's done at Greenwich and facing him and. And John looked at me and said, well, you know how he is. He's kind of a – he knows how to work you guys over. So <laughs> I uh, thought that was funny. Yeah. I'm just, so I'm just curious, guys, in talking – you know, you're talking about these games and you sort of talk about kind of the consensus favorites and particularly, um, you know, the dominant seasons that, uh, that Hand uh, has had in Class L and, and Greenwich and Double L. Um, you know, and we've I've, I've been here six years, so I certainly don't have the, the history with it all that you do, but uh, feels like, you know, we've had favorites and we've had teams that have enjoyed big seasons, uh, you know, in, in the past. Is, is In hearing you talk, is sort of what separates these teams, at least this year, uh, maybe the balance that you're talking about, that, you know, they're not just, oh, they've got a dominant defense and the offense, you know, 
just doesn't get in the way or, or vice versa? Is it sort of that they do have that kind of balance you're talking about where they have a, a running back that we hadn't even talked about on the podcast? Is, is your view, is that kind of what has has risen them to maybe an elite level that uh, at what we haven't seen it, or at least that um, makes it feel like it's going to be tough to compete with them? That certainly helps. Uh, talent and coaching certainly helps. And I think part of it is, in the case of Greenwich and Hand especially, they're just two exceptionally good teams in a season where the consensus from coaches and other observers has been the state's been down. Uh, you know, everywhere I went this season, the, the level that I can expect from teams, you know, there's good teams, they weren't as good as they have been in past seasons. Mm-hmm. Hand and Greenwich have been two of the exceptions. Uh, they're just, I mean, they've talent, coaching, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that helps out with the dominance part. Sure. Well, we'll uh, I've got two more questions for you. Mr. Ned has an appointment he has to get to, but we'll do, uh, we'll do two quick questions. So give me, uh, you guys have talked about an awful lot of players here, awful lot of standouts for, for all of the eight teams taking part in the uh, championship. Give me one or two guys that you feel like are going to sort of, based on how you think the games might go this weekend, give me one or two guys that you think are sort of going to be the, the discussion points, the talking points once uh, everything wraps up on Saturday. Ned, uh, we'll start with you. Uh, you want one from each game? Sure, if you'd like. Okay. Uh, let's see. Well, from Double L, uh, <laughs> I am partial to him because of his aggressiveness. Uh, Mosey BC for sure. Uh, <laughs> proof that you do not need to be the biggest or li- uh, the biggest man out there to dominate. Uh, you can do it with strength, speed, aggressiveness, and technique. Uh, class L. Uh, I'm going to go with Colin McCabe. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're running back. He's, he's burly. He is a burly dude. He's really, and they've been running the ball very efficiently in the playoffs. He was five touchdowns, I want to say, against Spinell. He rushed for. Uh, yeah, he's got like 30 this year. Yeah. Uh, Class M, uh, I would have to think that David Summers, would be the focus there. Uh, St. Joe's Maryland bound quarterback. Uh, over on the Bruins side, maybe Alex Halkius. I like this. I like this Bruin team a lot. I just feel bad that St. Joe's isn't there with them. Because uh, any other year they could have won that division. Mm-hmm. Uh, Class S. I I got to go with my guy, Sean Butler. Uh, I I loved watching that kid run from the first time I saw him. I hate player comps, but when I was watching him run, the first person I thought of was Detrone Means. You know, just a a shorter, stocky, power running back who he can run your face over and he can easily juke you too. Uh, I'll let you now try to pick from the restaurant. All right, Sean, who do you got? <laughs> um, I'm going to go uh, for Greenwich. I'm going to go with Gavin Muir, the quarterback. Um, and, you know, he, he could be a first-team quarterback when it's all finished. Um, he's just been flawless this year. Um, and just really, he takes what the defense gives him as far as his defense. His defense usually gives him a short field, and they don't have very far to go. And, and uh, he's right on the money every time. He's got a lot of weapons, and I think we're going to be talking about him a lot, as well as Mr. Beastie as, as well. On he the, was uh, the champ, by the way. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, yeah, he not, can, not he can run right up the back. Not to interrupt, like a champ. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, he does that. He he killed New Canaan in the first game with a nice uh, fake handoff and threw it right over the middle to Camisio and really put the kind of dagger in them in the mm-hmm. third quarter there. Um, and then later on they did the same thing. So um, on the in, in the on the hand Maloney side, I think we're going to hear a lot about Phoenix Billings. Obviously, the quarterback there uh, uh, for the Tigers really directs the show. I mean. It, it, if he doesn't have a long touchdown run in this game, uh, it, it should be a victory for Maloney because he's good for about a 60-yard touchdown run a game. Well, I think Windsor actually stopped him short of the touchdown uh, in, the, in that game in the semifinals, but they still end up scoring anyway. He's, he's good for a big run, a uh, bust-out run, and you just kind of wait for it. Here it comes. Um, the other guy on hand, though, I want to mention it again, is Cornelio, though, Lineman. I mean, again, he has some great guys around, around Mac McDonald and, and Jack Flanagan, but uh, this kid is just a man-child. He's only a, he's only a junior, and he's just going to be uh, one of the top players in the state next year. And I think we're going to see a lot from him. I mean, if he can cut through that uh, that big offensive line for Maloney, it's going to be a long, long day for the Spartans. Um, and then in the in the, uh, in the Bloomfield uh, HK game, uh, I think a guy to look out for would be uh, Kyle Barrow, one of the one of the defensive linemen for Bloomfield. I mean, there are a bunch of guys there, but he's a defensive end. He leads the team in sacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got 10 this year, which is pretty good. Um, you know, and then I cut Ned said Butler as well, but I think uh, that's a guy we, you, you want to look out for. And I know that they don't throw the ball much, uh, at, or at, if at all, at Adam Killingworth. If they, if they can help it, they're not going to want to throw. So you're not going to see any sacks from him. But stopping that run game... I mean, they're going to get Dalton Brown back, uh, HK, who missed the, the last few games of the season. So that's another option for them. But if uh, if the Bloomfield's offense, excuse me, defensive line can can stop the run, you know, allow the reinforcements to get in there, that's going to be really tough for for HK. And as far as Class M goes, I you know, uh, so many good guys um, on that side. Let me start with Berlin. I think Berlin's uh, their uh, defensive end, Zach Rubiak, is just I mean, you saw that stiff arm he put on uh, yeah. and on that long touchdown run. That was uh, a yeah. if you could if you could posterize somebody, I guess is uh, is what someone called it uh, in football. That that was it, you know. Um, you know, you got Herbie a little X. bit of a national. Yeah, Herbiak <laughs> smash. You know, yeah, he's like the Hulk. Um, that's a kid. We really, I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, but uh, you know, St. Joseph guys. On the St. Joseph's side, uh, Summers is obviously a, a, a big name, uh, and I think a guy to look out for is going to be uh, Will Diamantis, um, who's uh, you know picked up the slack since they lost their uh, one of their top receivers, um, Phil Passmeg, to a, a broken shoulder, uh, broken collarbone uh, for much of the season, and he, he's really kind of picked it up. They had two guys last year; one graduated, he was an all-state player, and then they had an all-state player coming back. And pass Megan, and then he was barely around. So uh, Summers has had to do a little bit more work with his receivers, and they've really come on lately. I think uh, that's obviously a key to, key to watch. And they're their defensive front. There's so many guys who make so many plays there, so that's going to be tough for for uh, excuse me for, for Berlin. But those are the guys I see at least. All right, so lots of good players. To be fair to the teams. other teams, uh, I'll mention uh, Quentin O'Connell for New Canaan, their receiver, who's uncoverable. Uh, I'd be remiss if did not mention Victor Marquez, Maloney's uh, receiver this year, uh, top receiver. Yep. 68 catches, uh, 
1,100 yards, 16 touchdowns, and then defensively 87 tackles. Uh, and then over at the Bloomfield HK game, since I've already mentioned someone from Berlin, uh, Toby Callender, he's a running back, middle linebacker. Uh, I, I like him a lot as a runner. Uh, he's, he's patient and he can run with power. Very good. Lots of good things, lots of good things to watch. So we'll end up with, uh, with one more question. Uh, Sean, we'll start with you. What do we think, just uh, projecting ahead, I won't make you pick the games, uh, but just in general, what do you sort of feel like is going to be the, the pervasive storyline, um, you know, kind of across the, the state championship spectrum once everything wraps up on Saturday? What do you think is going to be kind of the big, uh, big storyline to, uh, to cover once things are done on Saturday? Well, I mean, it's going to be a matter of whether Greenwich, with a victory over New Canyon, is going to be number one in the state in the Game Time CT New Haven Register poll and the, the Dave New London Coaches poll. Um, you know, I, I would think everyone would, would go with them um, as the number one team in the state if they, if they win and even if Hand wins. But I'm curious how much Hand is going to get uh, a look see. Uh, as far as, like, you know, they've had consistently four voters in the writers' poll. I don't know about the, the, the coaches' poll, Ned. But uh, they've had four writers there uh, uh, voting them number one, and, and I know they're pushing hard to, to have people take a look at them. And they, they are no joke, and there are people out there that said no one's beaten this hand team this year, and, and I, I, would, I, I think that would be a great matchup with Greenwich. Um, they both are very similar teams, flawless offenses and just aggressive, hard-charging defenses. But I, I think we'll be, at the end of the, and everything, I think we're going to be looking at the first Greenwich number one team in the state, and you know, what's next for that group? Because a lot of those guys are graduating, and then you look at Hand, they're all juniors. And what Hand's going to bring back next year uh, as they go for, if they win, as they go for three straight. So you're looking at a grand team, which is, this is their big senior class. I'm sure they're going to have some guys next year, but it's going to be a completely different looking team, whereas Hand is going to look very similar. You'll see a lot of those names back, Phoenix Billings, Ben Cornelio. I mean, it goes on. That's what I see. Ned, what about you? What's going to be kind of the, the, the big takeaway story from, uh, from championship weekend? Uh, I would concur with the uh, hand versus Greenwich debate. That'll be, that'll be a lively debate. Uh, and the other thing I think people will be discussing is just the, how lopsided the games were. Um, oh, the humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's been a topic that's been mentioned by more than one person to me so far is just how lopsided some of these playoff games have been. But, you know, when you have T-Rexes like Hand and Greenwich, you know, a a St. Joe's team that's a level above those in Class M, uh, you know, and then Bloomfield and Ansonia were both, you know, a level ahead of everyone in S, you know, you're going to get a few blowouts from those teams. No question. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see that this is like uh, I don't see where there's, this is a problem at all. I think you no. know, I think what you're just seeing. I think what you're just seeing, and people are all screaming about it. I think what you're just seeing is is three, four teams uh, on each of these. We we went back before. If you go back before the season, I think Ned and I and a few other guys pegged all these teams at least. Uh, contend for a state championship, if not win it. I mean, I think we said Hand was going to win L, St. Joe was going to win M, Bloomfield was going to win S for the most part. I think the only the only thought next was would, would Greenwich be able to beat Darien? 
And now that now that Darian's gone, I think we have the answer that Brennan is the prohibitive favorite. Although I'd love to see what New Cannon's got, but I think you just have four teams in each class that are just dynasty style type teams, and I think that's just that's just the way it is. You're going to have that sometimes. Yeah, and you know, it's, I had someone tweet at me. Maybe they need to eliminate the quarterfinal round. Well, you know, baseball last year, three state finals, three of them were routes. Sometimes these things happen. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you need to you need to allow teams that have had great seasons that have, to get get their shot. That's why I love the quarterfinal round. I love how we expanded that. They may not be state championship caliber teams, but at least they what they were eight and two or nine and one. You, you, they need to they need to be able to at least show that they can contend with some of the top teams in the state, and that's what this is about. I don't think there's any shame in losing in the quarterfinals. Or losing in the semifinals, you can sit there and you can look back and say, you know what, we had a really good team, and yeah, we, we didn't, we might not have fought, we might not have won a state championship, but uh, you know, we were definitely one of the top, you know, 10, 15 teams in the state when it was all over. And without that quarterfinal round, we wouldn't have Maloney, HK, or New Canaan in the state finals either. Or yeah. at that point, you wouldn't have had Hillhouse's. Uh, state champion in 2010 when they were the eighth seed. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's what's good about this. Get, we don't have that law team from 2007 missing out. We don't have that. That's, what, that's what's great about it. Yeah, we don't have six champions anymore, but sometimes it was skewed. Sometimes N was really weak or double mm-hmm. M. Um, you know, and, and now it, this allows those top teams to get in. They were, they were left out of those brackets because it just happened that they were in a strong M. And then on the other side, you got a seven and three team in class double M as one of the top seeds. So, you know, I, I always like this, this setup. I, I think it's fair. I mean, yeah, you're going to get lost, and that's just that's just the way it is. Some of these teams are just dynasty sometimes. And that's that's what happens. Yep. No, the way and we the, got uh, two of them this year for sure, and in the Greenwich. <laughs> yeah. He's the yeah, you he's might. Like, I think you have four to be honest with you. Man. Yeah. The way these mm-hmm. things uh, shake out sometimes, but we will uh, we will see what uh, what everyone has to offer for us on Saturday. Four championship games. Uh, across the state. Gentlemen, uh, you can catch Sean Patrick Boley's great work at uh, Game Time CT. So much football coverage there, so much all high school sports coverage there. These gentlemen are both also podcasters of their own uh, own right. You can check out their podcasts at, at Game Time CT and then Ned, all his great work at the Day of New London. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I know you'll be uh, out on the road uh, covering all of this on Saturday. I appreciate the time and uh, enjoy Championship Saturday. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me on, and follow all the fun on Twitter, folks, at hashtag CTHSFB. Thanks so much to Sean and Ned, both very busy individuals at the moment trying to keep tabs of everything, so please check out all their good work. Sean uh, kind of leading the charge in the football coverage at GameTimeCT.com. Ned at the Day of New London. They both also have podcasts uh, covering high school football, uh, amongst other things, so check those out as well. They do a great job. Please, please, please check out their good work. Uh, you're, you're, you'll be fully prepared for uh, the championship weekend. Already uh, quickly browsed to GameTimeCT this morning. So many good stories there uh, about some of the teams teams taking part in championship weekend uh, uh, on Saturday. So here we go. It's uh, it's time to, uh, to to officially conclude the fall season. Uh, that'll be done, wrapped up on Saturday. Four championships, four championship games, eight teams competing. Let's get after it. So uh, we thank you very much. We thank Sean Boley. We thank Ned Griffin. We thank you very much for listening. Remember to check out CIACsports.com. If you uh, enjoy the podcast, we hope you'll uh, – 
Check us out on iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher. You can subscribe. You can download. Please do that. Make sure you never miss an episode whenever it is that uh, we try to stick to a regular schedule here with our CIAC casting. doesn't always happen, but uh, that's always the goal. So, uh, But make sure you'll never miss an episode. Even with my irregular posting, you'll, uh, you'll always know that you're going to get the latest uh, episode of the CIAC cast once it's live. So thank you very much for listening. Again, remember, CIACsports.com. We've got the football championship headquarters there with all the links. You can go to tournamentcentral.com for all the information about the football championships uh, as well as uh, the winter sports as well. As I said, getting started uh, before you know it. We'll turn our focus to that. But first, we're going to wrap up the uh, the fall with football championships. Enjoy the games, everybody. We'll be back soon with another edition of the CIAC cast. <laughs> <laughs>